0: Hey, good morning, everyone. Thank you for joining us at First Christian Church. My name's Daniel, and I'm one of our pastors here, and we've been having a ton of fun with this free swim series. Thank you for continuing to be a part of that. But before we dive into our message today, I want to cover an important announcement that affects our current members here at First. And I don't know if you can tell this, but over the course of 2018, God has been doing incredible things in our midst right here at First. As you can tell, my voice is still recovering a little bit from worship night on Friday. Honestly, it was a ton of fun, and we're thankful that you came and gave your all and were a part of that. But really, in the year 2018, we've seen people giving their lives to Jesus in a new and vibrant energy in our church. And so something that we want to call all of our current members to be a part of is our membership renewal here at First. And so what this means is that on Sunday, May 20th, And on Tuesday, May 22nd, we are hosting identical member renewal cookouts right here at First Christian Champaign. And what we'll do is we'll meet here at 6 o'clock, we'll host a cookout-style meal, and we'll spend a couple of hours together talking about where we're heading as a church, because there's no better time than now for us to move forward together into the future that God is calling us into. Now, good news is this, there will be childcare for all children under fifth grade age, and we'd love for you to RSVP and be a part of one of these member renewal cookouts. So if you are a current member of First, which would mean you've likely signed our most recent membership covenant, would you do us a favor and RSVP to, again, one of these member renewal cookouts? I know you guys love us and you love hot dogs and burgers, but we just need you at one, not both, okay? So one of, not both of, the member renewal cookouts. And so the way that you can do this is you can go to fcc-online.org slash member cookouts, that's all one word, or you can call us at the church to sign up and RSVP for that event. We're really eager to move forward together as one church, and we'd love for you to be at one of these two member renewal cookouts. So... Now that we have that taken care of, one of the things that we've been doing over the course of this free swim series is that we've been zeroing into this idea that in the family of God, it's best understood as a free swim, that church in an ideal world, it should be a place where you and I can belong before we ever have to believe or behave and that we can become over time the people who God created us to be. And so to kind of set the mood, I want to invite up some friends of ours who have been with us for the last couple of weeks. Check this out on the screen for a moment. Ow. Uh. Is there an emergency, sir? No, I just got a small cramp in my toe. Everyone, be calm. Stay away from this area. There's nothing to see here. You're not talking about me, are you? Swimmer, do not panic. I am a trained professional lifesaver. <laughs> the- You're not, let's go. Man, if you weren't ready for church yet today, I'm sure you are by this point. Really, thank you so much for being us with us at first. And really, we've all been around those lifeguards, if you will, in the life of faith who can be a little bit extra, right? Getting a little bit too excited about their job. And really, that's what we've been learning in this Free Swim series. There's this letter that was written by the Apostle Paul to this community of churches in the region of Galatia, which is modern-day Turkey. And in week one of this series, we basically found out that these bad lifeguards were establishing all these rules and regulations that were never intended to be a part of the church. And this was really the big takeaway that we learned from our first week together in Free Swim. To distort the gospel is to destroy the gospel. Really, there is one good news and it's not changing and we're making our stand on the fact that Jesus lived, he died, and he rose again to make us right in our relationship with God. Now, in the second week together, we took it forward a little bit forward more and we recognized that Paul, he cared so much about this good news that he would go to any lengths to proclaim that good news and to protect that good news. And this was our important takeaway. Freedom in unity is at the heart of the gospel. Again, the thing that draws us together is the good news of Jesus and we're not moving or changing on that. But guess what? There are all kinds of things that make us different as followers of Jesus that aren't essential to having a relationship with Jesus and so we try to major in the majors and not major in the minors. And so with that said, even if people disagree with us, we make it our mission to be loving to everyone because we want everyone to be welcome in the pool and to grow into who God has created them to be. So, with that said, we're taking another step forward this week and we're picking off right where we left off. Would you turn with me to Galatians chapter 2? Again, that's one of those epistles in the New Testament, one of those short little letters. It's going to be on the screen as well if you're more interested in looking up there. But as we get ready for this week, we're going to understand that Paul, this guy who cared so much about sharing the good news and protecting it, he had this big question that he was really zeroing into. Okay, now that... Jesus has lived and he's died and he's risen again. What does it actually take for someone to be a part of the family of God? What does it actually take for someone to be a part of this free swim? So if you wanna bat your eyes down to verse 15, that's where we're gonna start. And this is what Paul wrote. He said, we who are Jews by birth and not sinful Gentiles know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. So we too have put our faith in Christ Jesus that we may be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law. Because by the works of the law, no one will be justified. He continues on saying this, but if in seeking to be justified in Christ, we Jews find ourselves among also the sinners, doesn't that mean that Christ promotes sin? Absolutely not. If I rebuild what I destroyed, then I really would be a lawbreaker. And then he finishes by saying, for through the law I died to the law so that I might live for God. Now, we've kind of been wading into the story of Free Swim, this book of Galatians for the last couple of weeks. And if you're like me, that first line of this little passage might confuse you. Because on the surface level, it seems like Paul's been fighting for the little guy, the guy who's outside of the pool, who doesn't have an invitation, who's been bullied away from the free swim. And all of a sudden, he's using kind of this coded language that frankly even might come across as offensive. And he sets it up like this. He says, we who are Jews by birth and not sinful Gentiles, Gentiles being anyone who isn't Jewish And so, really, if we think that comes across as harsh, we gotta be zeroing in on this. What I think is going on is that Paul is playing a little bit on the ego of his followers of Jesus who are also of a Jewish heritage. And so Paul kind of brings them in and he uses identifying language. He says, we, meaning Paul and the people that he grew up with the same heritage as. He says, we, we've received this heritage of faith, of trust in God by birth. And really, What you find out is that with that heritage of faith came a little bit of a swagger, a little bit of elitism, a little bit of, hey, we're the best swimmers around, and hey, if you can't swim on our level, then get out of the pool. Now, if you can bear with me for a moment, it would almost be as if there was an adult at the pool in a ridiculous pair of oversized water wings (laughs) bragging about how well they could swim. You know what I mean? Na-na-na-na-boo-boo. Look at me, look at how incredible I am at swimming. I never sink, trust me, it's extra safe. Now, a floaty, if you will, is essentially something that we place our faith in to keep us from drowning. Something we grasp onto and we jump into the pool, hoping that it'll save our lives, and so really, when it came to this problem that was going on in this churches in Galatia, it was the Jewish heritage that certain people were holding on to. And really, for us, when it comes to floaties, things that we hold on to in our faith that isn't Jesus Himself, man, we complicate it even more than they did. Now, this is the weird thing: you're all sitting here initially thinking, "This is crazy. Why? Why would we cling to something other than Jesus?" The lifeguard said, "It's free swim." And sure, those floaties, they will keep you afloat. They make you feel comfortable, but they make the whole swimming experience awkward. You can't exactly freely swim when you're carrying some ridiculous oversized adult floaties, right? But you know what happens? Just like anything else in life that we think is ridiculous on the front end, that we all say, oh, I'll never do that, the more and more people who start to cling in faith to something like this to say, hey, this is a big deal. You better do this to get right with God. It's like any other cultural fad. We all end up doing the thing that we thought looked incredibly goofy. So, Paul, he's got a real dilemma that he needs to crack into. And he's gotta get everyone's attention. And so by using this identifying language by saying we Jews who received this faith by birth and then he goes on ahead and he flips the script 100%. And he says this phrase. He says, we know, or we ought to know, that a person is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. Now, I want to zero in on just four of those words that have the potential to change everything you believe about what it means to be made right with God. No, justified works and faith. Now, this idea of knowing is an idea of being so familiar with something that it's almost second nature, to grasp something, almost like the ability to swim. It comes second nature once you learn how to do it. To be justified. Now, this is a legal term. It's a declaration from God that we have been made right with him. It's the opposite of condemnation and fear. Or in Old Testament and Jewish terms, this would refer to someone being made completely clean, as if they had never sinned in the first place. Now, this works word, it's a little bit more straightforward, and I think we identify with it. It's pretty much an activity, a task, or a job that we contort, and we twist into something that becomes a performance before God, something that we can do to be made right in our relationship with God. It's almost like looking at Jesus, and he's saying, trust me, I've got your back. You can jump in the pool. You're free to swim. And we're like, no, 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 no. Jesus, I need to hold on to my water wings. I can't let them go. But this word faith, this is really the big 180. This is a trust in something beyond ourselves that leads us not just to a new fact in our brain, but to action. This is the true north that guides the way that we live our lives as followers of God. Now, When you put that all together in that little statement, Paul is flipping it upside down. He's saying, we ought to know, it ought to be second nature, that we are justified by one thing, and it is not works. It is by faith in Jesus, in Jesus alone. You have permission to let go of the floaties. Quit hanging on to those ridiculous things that you're doing to try to make yourself right in your relationship with God. You've been invited to the free swim. Drop The floaties, to his Jewish pals, he's making one more big point. He's like, look, look, I get it. I get it, you guys have behaved super well. I can see, you're very proud of your heritage. I understand. But now, that doesn't make any difference whatsoever. It's free swim. The only reason that we are held together in our relationship with God, in our relationships with one another, is because of our faith in Jesus So, why all the theatrics? Why does that matter so much? I want you to be reminded of this. No matter where you're at in the pool of faith, whether you're in the deep end or the shallow end, whether you're jumping off the high dive or you're just over there in the shallow end by the ladder, no matter where you're at in the pool, nothing we did gave us access to being able to step into the water. The only reason why there is an open invite to anyone and everyone is because of Jesus Christ himself. Now, here's the second thing. I promise you, there isn't a floating, there isn't a work that you can do that you can connive it into making yourself right in your relationship with God on your own. Our relationship with God is based solely on Jesus. Not how many pieces of our life that we've picked up and put together. Not how many times that we've ushered into church like cattle. Not how many times that we have sinned or how many times we haven't sinned. There is no formula of behavior that can make you right in your relationship with God. You know, thinking about this whole free swim and floaty thing, think of it like this. Imagine you really decided you wanted to take a step and you wanted to follow God. You wanted to learn what it meant to trust Jesus. And so you went to the pool of faith for swimming lessons, right? And you're getting ready to dive in. You're getting ready to learn from the lifeguard. And the lifeguard looks at you and he's like, Hey, uh, before you can get in the water, I'm going to need you to prove that you can swim. No, 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 you don't understand. That's the whole issue. I'm here to learn how to swim. No, you can't get in the pool. You don't know how to swim. We can do this some of the time. That's not what the free swim is supposed to be like. We're not trying to encourage people to throw on water wings to fake their way into swimming. This free swim, it's meant to be for everyone. And we're all trying to learn how to swim. Like, for real. So, with all that said, and we think about the fact that Jesus gives us all equal access to God through faith, you might be wondering, what in the world was the purpose of all this stuff that came before Jesus? What's the whole purpose of that all? And I'd say, well, that's a pretty good question. And I think Paul starts to lean into that. And remember what he just said a second ago? He said, through the law, I died to the law so that I might live for God. And now, I want to be careful for a moment because a lot of the time we make generalizations about the Old Testament and Jewish followers of Jesus that the Bible isn't asking us to make. This is what is important to know. When it comes to the law, the people of God throughout the entire Bible, they didn't view it as a floaty. They didn't view it as a work where they were earning their way to God by abiding by the law. In fact, it wasn't a burden to them. They viewed the law as an expression of God's grace. The law was given for this reason. So ordinary people like you and me throughout history could come to God and say, God, I have fallen short. I can't make it on my own, I need you to save me. I have faith in you, I believe in you. The law, it was never meant to be a floaty. It was meant to be a springboard of faith. An opportunity to know, trust and obey God himself. To find freedom from the sin that's literally killing us. But ultimately, this is what we learn from the law throughout the entire sweep of scripture. We know, as humans, we need something greater than ourselves that will fully and truly make us right with God. The entire narrative of the Bible, it leads us to this incredible inclusion. We have to have faith in something beyond ourselves. And this is what we know. If God is actually good, he won't leave us hanging out to dry. He'll give us everything we need to be made right with him. But This is the problem. Whether long ago or today, we keep putting our faith in things that won't keep us afloat. Maybe you've bought into the lie of cleaning up your life as if you could behave your way into a relationship with God. Or maybe you've bought into the lie that if all of your needs aren't met immediately, that God isn't good. As if you're trusting in the provision of God instead of God himself. Others of us, we've bought into the claim that all we need to do to find peace and hope is look within ourselves for everything that's already there. We just really need to come to terms with who we are and we'll find peace and hope on the inside. Or maybe you're boldly holding on to stuff that you know is going to pass away, like money, something as petty as likes on social media, or substances, or even your youth. Now look, there are a lot of things that we can learn from the law, but really we're zeroing in on this. When we put our faith in anything that doesn't come from God, it will leave us sinking in our sin. It will leave us wanting more and more and more. When it comes down to it, and we've said this already, we need something beyond ourselves in order to be made right with God. Again, the law, it was never meant to be a floaty, something we use to make our way back to God. But that something that you're looking for, it's actually a someone, Jesus himself. Look, follow the law faithfully and you'll nail down to this point. You'll end up needing a savior. And this is what we know. Jesus will do either everything for us or nothing for us. It's sink or swim. There's no in between. You can't fake swimming and so as Paul is working through this portion of his letter this cornerstone question gets birth to life for Paul he's really bringing up this tension what is that thing that I need to have faith and belief in how do I know that my relationship with God is the real deal if it can't come from within me and it can't come from something that I do where does it come from And Paul's answer, it's so resoundingly clear. If you bat your eyes down to verse 20, that's where we're gonna continue. Paul says, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And this is so cool. He says, I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness could be gained through the law, then Christ died for nothing. You know, when we came to faith in Jesus, the instruction wasn't to go back and pick up the floaties. The instruction was to trust our lifeguard, our savior, Jesus himself. And you know what it means to trust Jesus? It sounds difficult, but it means denying myself, picking up my cross, and following Jesus, and never just because he says so, never just because he thinks he's the boss of the applesauce, only because Jesus Loves me. Jesus, He loved me enough to give Himself, to justify me, to make me right in my relationship with God, all so that I could let Jesus reign and live and dwell in and guide my life. That's our invitation. Sure, the death of Jesus is a death to our old selves, and there is pain involved in that process. But the life of Jesus. Is our very life, our true freedom, our permission to get rid of the fake thing and grasp the real, true faith. So, Paul, he makes it resoundingly clear God didn't rescue us based off of any category that we fall into by luck not by race, our culture, our works, or lack thereof. We were justified by faith in Jesus and Jesus alone. A pure act of unmerited grace. This is our one and only hope, and that's where we're taking our stand. And this is important, like all those folks of the first century churches, we need to be reminded over and over and over again, there's only one reason why we've been invited to the free swim of Jesus. There's only one reason why we can swim in true freedom. We live by faith in Jesus alone, a savior who loved us enough to give himself for us. Jesus, he saves us, but the thing you'll recognize is this too, he's also the one that'll keep you afloat. Only faith in Jesus can keep you afloat. Look, I'm just like you. I rely on all kinds of things for my personal worth. Social status, material possessions, religious practices, yeah. Do you know what? None of these things are evil in and of themselves. And that's why the trick is. We can trick ourselves into thinking they're good things, But the truth is, they all wear away. They only keep you afloat for so long. If we cling to them, we'll drown in our sin. And that seems to be why Paul is so urgent in proclaiming and protecting this good news, why he wrote this letter to Galatians in the first place. He makes the point again and again, only faith in Jesus can keep you afloat. And so, one more time, he has talked to his Jewish friends about this because I think they're struggling with it the most. And he says this to them. He kind of drops the bombshell on them. Check out chapter 3, verse 7. He says, Understand then that those who have faith are children of Abraham. Now, I don't know if you recognize the crazy worldview shift that's happening right there, and we're going to unpack that more next week as we dive into the next part of this letter. But really, Paul is making it crystal clear. For his Jewish friends and even for himself... They had this foundational heritage of faith that they would bring all the way back to this man named Abraham who had this great example of fully and obediently trusting God in faith and following him wherever God would lead him. And so if you were a Jewish person, you would look back upon your faith heritage and you would have confidence in the fact that your faith was rooted in the faith of Abraham and thus you were a child of God. And here's the bombshell. Paul talking to these folks who are relying on the floaties, he says, put your faith in Jesus. No matter who you are, no matter what your background is, no matter where you come from, that's what it means to be a part of God's family. We've gotta zero in on this. If we really wanna swim in true freedom, the only thing we can rely on is Jesus. The only thing we can rely on is Jesus. We're moving to our time of response now. So really, the question I gotta start with is this. What is the thing that you are relying on the most in your life? I think for a lot of us, we want to come to this terms where we're saying, you know, I really, I rely on Jesus more than anything else. But you know what? It's really easy to stick the floaties back on to just sneak them on and come back to the pool all stealth mode like, hey, don't notice me, right? And if you're talking about the book of Galatians, we can really zero in on this group of Jewish followers of Jesus because there are a lot of things they have as floaties. We've covered circumcision, we don't need to go back there again, right? We've got the kosher food laws, right? We've got the hang around the right people and make sure the uncleanliness doesn't wear off on you. We've got the heritage of faith in general. Yeah, it's really easy to pick on them, isn't it? But you know what? We do the same exact things. I wonder, have you ever relied on the faith of your parents more than your faith in Jesus? Have you ever gotten to the point where you recognize, you peeked your head up and realized, oh my goodness, I have isolated myself from every single person who doesn't have a relationship with Jesus in my life wouldn't want their uncleanliness to clean off on me or maybe you abide by the christian kosher laws don't drink or chew or at least go any place where other christians will see you you know or maybe you're just sitting there recognizing that, hey, maybe I can think my way into a relationship with God. Maybe the things I know is what makes me right in God. Yeah, I can recite the books of the Bible backwards and forwards. I can recite the apostles backwards and forwards as if our knowledge about bible things is the thing that makes us right in our relationship with God. You know if we're being honest, if we cut through all the stuff that we try to use to make our way back to God, the only thing that really keeps us afloat is fully depending upon and fully relying on Jesus himself. And I've got good news for you. Relying on Jesus sets us free from the goofy things that we hang on to to keep us afloat. You'll recognize that whenever you do something that honors God, you won't have to pat yourself on the back anymore. You'll recognize that the only reason that you honored God was because of the abundant grace of Jesus transforming your life. You'll recognize that when you mess up, you're not overcome with a crippling sense of guilt and self-doubt. You'll get to this point where you recognize, hey, the grace of Jesus, it's sufficient enough to restore me. I can walk forward in newness of life, even when I fail. You know, the problem at the end of the day with floaties is that we think they're helping us swim. And we've even convinced ourselves that we're doing the real deal, that we're actually in the pool, swimming around with freedom. But you know what they actually do to us? They actually create an unhealthy dependence. And in all the wrong places. You know, what happens when these run out of air? What happens when they pop? Will that really keep us afloat? You know, I don't think we use floaties to trick people into thinking that we're better swimmers because, quite frankly, when you see someone wearing a floaty of faith, it sticks out like a sore thumb. We're acting way holier than we actually are, way smarter than we actually are, way more excluded from the world than God ever called us to be. Here's why I think we really use floaties. Because we've bought into the lie that we would drown if we took them off. Here's the good news for you and for me, if you're worried about drowning. There's not a single floaty in this life that can actually save you. Here's the even better news there is a good and gracious lifeguard who is ready to swim right alongside you as you become the person who God created you to be. We can drop the old thing. We can swim in true freedom. So today, there are a few ways that we have an opportunity to intentionally respond. I don't know if you recognize this, but every week we celebrate the fact that there is one communion, one fellowship one salvation because of Jesus. We do it through what we call communion. There are these little stations throughout the room. All you gotta do is go up there and partake of the bread that represents Jesus' body, or a little cracker, and you partake as well of that little cup of juice that represents Jesus' blood. And we remember, because it's really, really important, because the thing that draws us all together every single week, the death of Jesus was sufficient to bring together the family of God and to put us right. In our relationship with God. If you fully rely on Jesus, I want to say, hey, take this opportunity to celebrate with communion today. Something else that I think we need to do, though, is we need to get real with God today. I think we need to take a moment to come down, maybe it's at these prayer benches in the front of the room, and just say, you know what, God, I'm hanging on to something, and it's not you. And we need to take a moment to ask Jesus to give us the courage to drop what we're holding on to and cling to Jesus. If you feel so called to respond in that way, I want you to take some time to do that today. And finally, we give and we respond. If you're prepared to give your life to Jesus, if you want to make that decision. I encourage you to write that on your connection card and go on ahead and drop that off in our give and respond boxes, two in the back of the room, two in the front sides of the room. But some of us have come today prepared to give generously because we understand that the mission of Jesus is And our generosity to it requires our everything and that it's an act of worship. So if you're prepared to respond in that way, I wanna encourage you to do that as well, whether that's at our giving boxes or it's in one of our electronic forms of giving or if it's kiosks throughout our building. Now, there are a lot of ways that we can move and respond in just a moment, but I want you to come back to this image. Do you remember the first time that you actually jumped in the pool without the assistance of water wings, you remember what that was like just plunging into that fresh, cool water on a hot summer day? You know, it was a little bit scary. We didn't know if we were going to make it. Here's the good news. The fear of jumping in the pool pales in comparison to the true freedom of swimming. We have an opportunity to do that as we respond today. Here's what I'd like you to do. Would you stand with me? We're gonna pray for just a moment, and then as you're led, I want you to respond as you move toward free swimming in Jesus. Let's pray. We're thankful for today, God, because like any other day, this is an opportunity for us to acknowledge that we've been made right with you through Jesus and Jesus alone. And so for a couple of different groups of people, I want to pray, God, for those of us who have been in the pool for a long time, but for whatever reason, we've snuck on a pair of water wings. God, I ask that we would drop the counterfeits and swim in true freedom and trust and relationship with your son, Jesus. But, God, there's another group of us that we're afraid to dip our toes in the water. Maybe it's things we've heard about church. Maybe it's past experiences that have really harmed us and hurt us, and we are having a hard time trusting you. I pray that you'd make it abundantly clear that you're with us and that you're ready to receive us when we're ready to swim. So we lift this up to you, knowing that you're good, and we praise you in Jesus' name.